All right, so it's the first week of January, and our entire staff is still traveling. So it's just me alone here in the studio with our brand new intern, Jason Hashimoto. Jason, you are how old? 21. And you go to school where? Okay, at San Francisco State. And Jason is trying to become a writer uh, with our program. So he's an intern for now until he graduates. And uh, today is his first day of writing for the show, and he gets to write the intro. So the intro I'm about to read is written by Jason Hashimoto, 21, of San Francisco State. All right. Jason, let's see how you do. Which of the following is not a title of a Dr. Seuss book? Horton hears a who. There's a walket in my pocket. A hawk and a hacksaw. Hunches in bunches. Or Mr. Brown can moo. Very clever, Jason. Uh, I'm not sure the band is going to be amused, but I think it's very clever. And I know the answer. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. guest today on the program, Heather Trost. Let me tell you a little bit about Heather Trost. The New Mexico-born Heather Trost is one half of the American Balkan folk band, A Hawk and a Hacksaw. What, you were thinking Horton hears a who? Come on! The other half of the band, of course, is her husband, the accordionist Jeremy Barnes, who, by the way, also hails from New Mexico. Over the course of their career, A Hawk and A Hacksaw have put out seven marvelous albums, including Darkness at Noon, The Way the Wind Blows, and their most recent effort, 2018's Forest Bathing. Now, I know 2018 isn't that recent, but Trost and Barnes have been busy. Barnes has played with Beirut and Neutral Milk Hotel, along with running his own label. Meanwhile, Trost has put out four terrific solo albums, including her brand new one, Desert Flowers. Not only that, but she's played with everyone from Beirut to Swans to Thor and Friends. Now, back to Desert Flowers. Desert Flowers is a stone-cold stunner. Filled with lilting strings, dreamy melodies, and sonorous hooks, the nine-track album is stirring work. A hypnotic blend of deliciously dusty hymns and introspective indie rock with elements of metaphysics, cosmology, and even a little desert surf, this is a powerful and internally evocative album. It's a quiet and poetic revelation. 
Now, this chat was recorded a while back before this record was born, but it's a cool conversation. So here you go. Me and Heather Trost having a chat right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. is really important to us um, and sort of respecting each other's ideas and and working on them as as a team. So, yeah, I think as much as what goes into it, it's also the process of um, writing the music and recording it that sort of brings it all together. Yeah, so, and also instrumentation and arrangement is very important to us. And a lot of times that can be as simple as, um, you know, liking the way a certain instrument sounds or a certain keyboard sounds or an organ sounds. And that sort of inspires either a melody or some kind of an arrangement. When you discover, first of all, how do you go about discovering uh, new music that's out there into the world. And then when you do, how do you decide that that's something you'd like to incorporate into what you guys are doing? Well, I actually, I learn about a lot of music from YouTube and also Bandcamp. Um, has a really, I don't know, I find their website really easy to, to find new music. And also I love their website because it supports directly musicians. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of Bandcamp. Um, but yeah, I think when we're traveling, we meet a lot of musicians in person, and that is also very vital to collaborations. Like we had our um, our friend Junette Tepecha from Istanbul um, play on this record, and he's an amazing clarinet uh, virtuoso who we met. Um, and he, we met him through a film that we saw called Roman Istanbul, which is about uh, Roma musicians in Istanbul. Um, so yeah, meeting him was really inspiring and hearing him play um, really sort of got us going in a certain direction, I would think. And then also we were able to collaborate with him through the internet because modern technology allows that which is really amazing to be able to play with people you know five thousand miles away um yeah <laughs> is really really special so we have a personal connection but then we also have this long distance um collaboration going on so yeah it's really interesting do you find that musicians no matter where they're from there is something similar about them all yeah, I think there is. I mean, I think music is sort of a key that can unlock certain uh, parts of people's personality or 
also it's you know i mean this is like cliche but it's the universal language i mean junette doesn't speak english and we don't speak turkish um except for like a few words so uh but somehow we managed to communicate and i think it's through music um yeah so it's it's an interesting thing and i think musicians relate to each other a lot too um because they're sort of uh, in the same struggle, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's it's, a, and that's a universal struggle. Yes, <laughs> and artists too. I mean, not just musicians, but artists and and weirdos around the world. I think it's so cool that your antenna seems to be tuned to a global kind of uh, channel. You're open to all kinds of genres. You're curious about the music of the world. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up. I grew up in New Mexico. Um, I was born in Albuquerque, but I grew up in like a tiny, tiny little town um, in the country. And so I, and I was also homeschooled for <laughs> most of my life. So music for me was everything. Basically I, I took violin and piano lessons and I played in a, in an orchestra and that was like my main social outlet for a while I, I did go to public high school um but yeah so growing up music was basically everything to me um and I feel like like I I sort of daydreamed a lot as a kid and had this wild imagination so a lot of times I would write a song about it or um you know record little songs on my tape recorder and I noticed that I like listened back to one of the tapes recently and they're all like in minor. They're all really sad. And I think that something about that minor sensibility just like stuck with me. So the first time I heard um, Eastern European music, I was instantly drawn to the fact that it wasn't in major. <laughs> like it was this other, not necessarily minor, but it was like a different mode and a different feeling than most Western music. Um, so yeah, that, that I was instantly drawn to that. What do you think it yeah. is that, that made you so attracted to the minor, the minor court, the minor keys, I guess. And what is it about the sadness that still attracts you, even though you may, you don't sound like a sad person. <laughs> <laughs> Well, probably because I listen to minor music. So I get it all out in my, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, of course, not all Eastern European music is sad. A lot of it is very upbeat. But, um, yeah, I think I was attracted to it because it was different um, than anything I'd heard before. And to me, that was very inspiring. And, yeah, maybe as an uh, upbeat, cheerful person, part of your part of my personality is very attracted to that, um, I guess, melancholic side um, of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And as a creative, like whenever I, I create things, my first, my sort of gut instinct is to go to the, the sort of sad and slow things. And then I think Jeremy and I balance each other out in that regard because um, he really loves fast music and I love fast music too, but he, he tends to write more fast upbeat things. So in a way like that process is really good because we, we balance each other out. Um, but yeah, I think initially just hearing other, and also the rhythms, like in a lot of that music is 
totally different from anything I've heard. I had heard before, you know, not four four at all. Um, sort of asymmetrical rhythms that I couldn't quite wrap my head around until I, I figured out how to play them. Um, that was very interesting to my brain. <laughs> are you one of those musicians that can figure stuff out without being shown? Do you know what I mean? In other words, are you really intuitive as a musician? Um, I think yes and no. I mean, definitely if I sit with something, I can, I can figure, try to figure it out. Um, but also, you know, we lived in Hungary for two years. And so I did have people like literally showing me songs and things. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it's a mix, definitely, um, because you think you know something, you think you understand something and then you you meet somebody who shows you a different aspect of it that you never thought of before. So in a way, it's like an onion, you know, there's so many levels of understanding I think with music um which is why it remains so interesting I think I was talking to Tara Lightfoot who's a singer-songwriter guitar player from Canada and she was telling me how she's learning how to play the cello and she said I think every adult should learn a new instrument and do you is there an instrument that you first of all do you agree with that and second of all what instrument would you like to pick up that you that you have not oh yeah that's great advice it's funny because I actually took up cello in college so I did learn that try to learn that instrument um as an older beginner I guess um yeah I think I well it's like learning language it just sort of keeps your brain fresh um and yeah I think learning an instrument is it can be a great challenge um yeah, I think if I were to learn any instrument, <laughs> maybe saxophone. Ah. Because <laughs> I'm just like totally foreign and I love the way saxophone sounds. Um, yeah, I would probably learn saxophone. And actually, Jeremy's really, he um, is really good at like finding new instruments to play and learn. And um, I also really love playing different new keyboards because even though like, I can play piano and I can play keyboards like each keyboard or um, synth is like so different that it, it's almost like learning a new instrument because of all the different functions and uh, things like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to have something new in your, in your world. I, if you picked up saxophone, would you play the sad stuff? <laughs> 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 yep, the super sad and cheesy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they would say, "Oh, Heather, she brings the sadness to the saxophone." <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, I would like that. <laughs> do you? Who were the singer songwriters that you were attracted to when you were in the sad teen phase? Who were you attracted to um, musically? Like, were you, were you into Nick Drake? Were you going that sad? Um, yeah, definitely there. Nick Drake, um, Mozzie Star, Portishead, like stuff like that. And also like, um, well, I know it's not singer songwriter, but, um, I was really into Black Sabbath when I was in high school, um, and like old seventies rock stuff. So yeah, it was definitely to me like Portishead and Mozzie Star are some of the saddest 
music in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I like that if you had made someone a mix CD, it'd be like Fade Into You and then War Pigs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. I think I made that mixtape, actually. <laughs> Do you find yourself thinking in musical terms constantly? I mean, in other words, I always wonder this because I'm not a musician. And I I look uh-huh. at you guys like, you know, you guys are like magicians to me. I don't know how you do it. Um, <laughs> but do you and – and I'm a writer, so I, I'm always thinking in words, but I'm not always thinking about yeah. it. But are you – are you always thinking in terms of rhythms and sounds or um, I mean, is your brain always attuned in that way? Uh, yeah, I think probably most of the time it is. Yeah. I never thought about it, but um, I'm constantly humming and singing and whistling and tapping my fingers. which <laughs> is probably pretty annoying to some people, but um, yeah. And then like, you know, we go on a lot of walks um, in this forest near our house, which is why we called the album Forest Bathing. And I really love listening to the the sounds of nature, um, just the birds and the trees and the rhythm that they make when the wind like rushes through it um, and the river. And I don't know, there's music all around. So it's, it's really nice to, yeah, build it to sink into that. Dance 
this is going to sound like a really stupid question, but when you hear things like um, like birds, do you he- you mm-hmm. hear them musically, right? Or, or or do you sort of go, oh, that's this a bird is making a sound because I'm not musical, so I go, oh, a bird is making a sound, <laughs> or like if my cat meows, I go, oh, my cat, that's I recognize it as a meow. But do you hear a musicality that I'm not hearing? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, when my cat meows, I just hear him like talking. Like to me, he's just like, feed me. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> Turn on the sink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily hear music when my cat is, is meowing. But um, yeah, sometimes I, I'll hear a little melody and like a bird call or something. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely takes like concentrated listening um, for sure. I'm glad that you didn't say to me, oh, you're missing the wonder of your cat's meow. No. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. I think there's some, I can't remember who it was. Some composer was able to write melodies out of bird songs. Um, and then Messian, Olivia Messian has a whole suite of music about bird songs. So I think that's like a whole nother level of genius that i'm not quite at yet but <laughs> yeah or like whales like like whales you know they have like yeah. whales right oh man whale songs are amazing so beautiful so beautiful i know and um and 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 also kind of minor key right they're kind of baleful and <laughs> totally baleful baleful <laughs> <laughs> Whaleful, yeah, exactly. <laughs> how did you how did you meet Jeremy? Well, I met Jeremy let's see. I met Jeremy. I was playing in a band and we had just gotten back from a tour and we were playing in Albuquerque and he had just moved back and he read about my band in the paper and I was actually playing cello in this band. Um and he was looking for you know, musicians to collaborate with, especially string players. Um, so yeah, he managed to meet a friend of mine and who introduced us. And yeah, we met at my show. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is a dilemma, but I was thinking about how when you're an artist, you're always attempting perfection, right? You're trying to apprehend something that you're hearing or trying to, um, you know, capture something from your brain Um you know, mm-hmm. in, into the physical world and trying to make that perfect. But you know you never will. It'll never be perfect, right? Um, yeah. Like, I think for me as a writer, like, my book came out and I was doing a reading from it and I went, well, I hate all these sentences. <laughs> I hate all this stuff. <laughs> um, but I wonder if you, like, what are you trying to apprehend, number one? And do you feel that if you ever did get exactly what you wanted, would you even know? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, like you say, like, when you hear yourself reading your book, it's like, ah, what what am I doing? But it's like, I don't know, you have to respect that uncomfortableness and just realize, like, what your art is is totally unique to you. And it's never going to be perfect. And, you know, but it's your thing. And, and you should definitely embrace that, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to be less hard on myself as I get older. And uh, I think if I could tell my 20-year-old self anything, it would just be that you should respect, you know, the things that come out because they're they're from the soul, kind of. And they might not all be great, but 
they're you and it's important to kind of honor that, I guess. (laughs) So, I mean, obviously you have to edit yourself and, and be critical sometimes, but I think that it's okay if things come out not perfect and then over time you shape and polish them and it's all part of the creative process. And I also wonder if maybe the, the thing is when you have a body of work, that body of work is representative of your creative process over a period of time, and maybe it forms a kind of picture? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, there are definitely songs that I wrote on early records that I'm not like 100% satisfied with, but in a way that that sort of helps what I'm doing now, and it informs what we're doing now. So, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not completely happy with every song on that album, but that's okay because we have another chance. And as a whole, it sort of forms something um, that is not perfect, but it's, it's there and it's interesting and whatever it's, it's your work. So it's, I don't know. I think it's important to respect your past, endeavors but not like get too hung up on it maybe think of them as just a piece in the moment that will later on form something larger yeah totally um it's interesting do you find that the do you guys get sort of distracted annoyed, or annoyed uh by the (laughs) the sort of the neutral milk hotel stuff like does that come up a lot and and how do you handle that stuff i mean I imagine because mm-hmm. that's such a fetish, fetishized outfit. Um, but d- does that sort of come up a lot? And if so, does it? Does that? Is it an annoyance? Oh, it's not an annoyance at all. Um, I mean, everything you do as a musician, I think, informs your other projects. So, I mean, Jeremy's like he's super proud of being in that band, and it's it's helped shape him as a musician and. Um, yeah, he's not annoyed at all. I think, I think for him, it's, it's part of who he is. And yeah, I mean, I'm speaking for him now, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah. And I I think actually, you know, they, they were able to go on tour not too recently or not too long ago. Um, and in a way that kind of helped like not have closure, but it's like the question mark was over because it was like for years, it was like, are we going to, you know, is it going to happen again or not? And so in a way that was nice because it sort of had a, had a narrative, you know, it's like, yeah. So yeah. And then I got to play violin on some of the tour, which was great. That must've been fun. So yeah, it was a lot of fun and, you know, great, huge shows. And I don't know. I mean, Mutual Milk Hotel fans are very sweet, so <laughs> it's not annoying at all. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and in terms of you and your musical process, and I, I hate the word process, but you'll know what I mean. Do you mm-hmm. do you find that when you are in that creative space where you're like, okay, I'm doing this now, are you mm-hmm. – I know you were saying that you're trying not to be hard on yourself – like, for example, I, I teach college and I have students who say, I'll write an essay, I'll write a sentence, and then I'll erase it. Do you find yourself <laughs> editing as you go, or are you? A, do you let the creative process breathe? Oh, I definitely erase stuff all the time. <laughs> I will I'll record a melody and re, you know, re-record it like a hundred times. And 
but then sometimes I'll let it sit. Like a lot of times I'll record something over and over and then I'll let it sit for a day and then come back to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think re-recording and rewriting is, is part of that. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily like being hard on yourself. I think that's just sculpting, you know? Yeah. And and when you and when you do sculpt, like is that that editorial voice? Do you find that it's more accurate in the moment, or is it better to let it sit and come back and get that distance, and maybe come back a day or two later and mm-hmm. go, oh, now I can be more objective. Yes, I think giving it space is super important after you after the initial sculpting <laughs> phase, for sure. I think letting it sit and coming back is, for me at least, really important. And it works both ways. Like, for example, a few months ago, I wrote this new poem and I thought, well, that was the best thing I ever wrote. And I let it sit for two weeks because I was feeling so mm-hmm. confident about it. I thought, I just, uh, this is going to change the world. And I went and I looked at it two weeks later and it was dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a truth telling moment when you... <laughs> when you come back to something. <laughs> I know. Really funny. You're like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you can either change it or get rid of it. Right. Right. And it's it's so horrible when you ha- when you know you have to get rid of it and you're like, oh, oh yeah. that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but then you make room for something better. That's right. That's right. Um, I like your optimism. You, you even even <laughs> in spite of your attraction to the minor keys, there is some optimism. Yes. I love it. Um, when you look at your band's um, oeuvre now, you guys have put out. This is your seventh or eighth record. Seventh. Seventh record. I think yes, seventh. When you look and see how the band has evolved from the first record to the new record, and I love everything mm-hmm. you guys have done, but it's also different. Oh, Is it when you look at that? Do you go, wow, like that's some serious progression? Like, do you do you wonder where you guys are going? Because it seems like the sky is the limit in terms of where you might go. Um, <laughs> how do you regard your discography? I kind of didn't realize how many albums we have made it until I sit and think about it. And it's, um, yeah, it's exciting. And yeah, I just, I feel like re-inspired to keep recording and keep touring. And yeah, I mean, we took a little bit of a break and I think that was a good thing for us um, in terms of inspiration. Do you, when you collaborate with Jeremy, do you do it, on your own and then bring him something or do you guys jam together or do you say I need to be left alone? Like, how do you do it? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think we've definitely learned to respect each other's, uh, time alone to work on things. Um, but we also do play a lot together. So, um, and we also bring each other ideas that we then work on together. So yeah, it's, it's a mix of all three of those things for sure. Talk about let's talk about Jeremy. Tell me about right. <laughs> let's let's divulge some secrets about that guy. Tell me about him as a musician. Like what do you think his strengths are and what about him dazzles you as as a player? He is a very inspiring person to play with. Um he's really uh creative and he's also really good at learning new instruments um speaking of new instruments and he uh, recently started playing the santor like maybe three or four years ago and because he's a drummer that sort of just came 
naturally. Um, I mean, he has to practice, but it, it was sort of like the perfect instrument for him. Um, so to me, it's his uh, ability to pick up new things is very dazzling, like learning accordion and learning Santor is just very awesome, I think. Um, so yeah, he's, He's really a great person to play with and travel with and be with um, as a human. So, yeah. Have you guys spoken about where you might go next? Because it seems like the world is your is your um, not your canvas, but the but you're exploring uh-huh. the world, which is so cool. Yeah. Well, we've been spending uh, a lot of time in Istanbul. Um, we were there just recently playing. Um, so yeah, I think we're very inspired by music from there. Um, yeah. So maybe more in that direction, I would think, um, which we already kind of did on forest bathing. So we might, yeah, more middle Eastern, I would think is the direction we're sort of moving in. (laughs) Very cool. You know, Heather, whether it's your solo albums or your albums with the band, I love what you do. And I'm so grateful you took the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much, Alex. Thanks, Heather. There you go. Heather Trost, lovely chat, really nice person. And her new album is beautiful. It's a, you know, one of those late entries as the year was shutting down. It came out in October and it was like, oh, here you go. One of the best albums of the year with two months to spare, snuck under the wire. Anyway, go get it. Desert Roses, it's beautiful work. She is remarkable. HeatherTrost.bandcamp.com. It's T-R-O-S-T, by the way. HeatherTrost.bandcamp.com. Go there. Pick up Desert Roses. Pick up her other albums as well. They're amazing. Also, while you're at it, buy some albums by A Hawk and a Hacksaw. You're going to love that band. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. There is new book news. I have a new book coming out in May. The Adventure Teen All-Stars versus The Summer of Truth. That's right. That is the name of my new novel. It's uh, out in May. More details to follow. I'll be talking about it incessantly on all future programs leading up to May, and probably for years after that. So strap in. Bombshellradio.com is where you need to go to find out what makes our radio station tick. Don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate and review, tell all your friends. Tell people that you wish were your friends. You know, walk up to them and be like, hey, how are you? And they'll be like, fine. And then just start talking about my podcast. That'll go well. You can email me at editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. You can also follow me. I'm still on Twitter at EmbersEditor, but I don't know for how much longer. You can also follow me on Instagram at EmbersPodcast. Do all three. You're not excluded from one if you do the other. Do them all. Love to hear from you. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Blue Fish by Heather Trost from her new album, 
Desert Roses. Enjoy it. Happy New Year. Thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio.